Hallelujah. I'm going to ask that you remain standing just as I introduce the word this morning and then go to the Lord one more time in prayer. It's good to be in God's house. It's good to be in God's presence. Amen. Not going to waste any time. The title of my message this morning is Dinner Impossible. It's taken from John chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. We'll touch on Matthew 14 as well. I stole the title of my message from a TV show that actually used to be on the Food Network. A chef by the name of Robert Irvine was given limited food, limited funds, limited time, and even limited space. He was asked to prepare a gourmet meal for hundreds of people. Sometimes he succeeded, sometimes he failed. But every single time to him, it was dinner impossible. And in John chapter 6, the disciples are put in a very similar situation. They were given limited food, limited funds, limited time, and yet Jesus asked them to feed 5,000 people. To them, it was dinner impossible. But how many of you know with God all things are possible? Amen. Hallelujah. So I don't know what your impossible situation is this morning. I don't know what miracle you might need. But my prayer this morning is that through this word, God is able to increase your faith so that you can receive a miracle. Amen. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you this morning that you are in this place. That we're not standing here alone, but we are standing in the presence of Jehovah Jireh, our provider. We're standing in the presence of the miracle worker, the bread of life, like Pastor said. It's no coincidence, Father, that he spoke from John chapter 6, and I'm speaking from John chapter 6 as well. Because you've got a miracle for your people. I pray this morning that you would build us up in the most high faith. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive, God, and the courage to step out in faith. We give you the praise and the glory and ask that you help us through this service. In Jesus' precious and mighty name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated. John chapter 6, verse 1 through 12. Sometime after this, Meaning after some miracles that Jesus had performed in the surrounding cities, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, which is called the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And how many of you know Jesus was preparing for a miracle? Jesus was preparing to do the impossible. The Bible says he already had in mind what he is going to do. And how many of you are glad God's got it all figured out? God already knows what he wants to do in your life this morning. 
He's already got it planned. He's already got it purposed. He's already got it written down, church. When we're confused and don't know what to do, Jesus has it all figured out. Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. Jesus knows exactly how he's going to do it. And Jesus has the perfect time and place for that to happen. And here in John chapter 6, he was about to perform a miracle on a desolate hillside in the midst of 5,000 people. When we don't seem to have a clue, church, God knows exactly what to do. He doesn't need a manual. He doesn't need an instruction book concerning how to to deal with your life because he's the one that wrote the instructions for your life. The Bible tells us that he ordered our days and numbered our days while we were in complete darkness before we breathed a single breath. Amen, church? The Bible tells us that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He doesn't need any help scripting your life. He doesn't need any counsel concerning the steps that you are going to take in life to to write the, the words concerning your life because he is the author and the finisher of your faith. You'll know Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the plans I have for you. He's not sitting up in the middle of the night trying to figure out his plans. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to bless you and not harm you. To give you hope and to give you a future. And here on a hillside, Jesus was going to bless the people. Here on a hillside, Jesus had it all figured out. I want you to know this morning that whatever you're going through, Jesus has the answer. I want you to know this morning that whatever impossible situation you might be facing, Jesus has it all figured out. I want you to think about this setting for just a moment, church. Jesus and his disciples had just crossed over the Sea of Galilee to get away from the crowds that they had been ministering to day after day. Maybe they wanted to get some rest. Maybe they needed some downtime, some alone time. Maybe they needed a little bit of shut-eye. But while they were sitting on a mountainside trying to rest, 5,000 men plus their wives and their children came herding towards the hillside. According to Matthew 14, some of the disciples began to ask Jesus to send the people away into the neighboring villages so they could find something to eat because the hour was late and because it was a desolate place. Tell them to go home, they said to Jesus. Tell them we have nothing to give. I want you to think for a minute what these disciples were were asking Jesus, the bread of life, to tell the people Tell them we're out of resources. Tell them it's too late. Tell them to go away. Tell them we aren't able to help them. But how many of you know God is always able to help? Amen. How many of you know it's never too late for God? He never slumbers. He never sleeps. He never takes a break. He never runs out of resources. Amen. And most importantly, he never tells us to get lost. He never tells us to go away. He never tells us to go home unsatisfied, church, and and unfulfilled. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what you don't have. I will give you some rest. He says, draw unto me, and I will draw near unto you. I want you to know this morning that if you have a need, the only thing you've got to do is draw near to Jesus, and he will draw near to you. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm glad Jesus never chose to send me away hungry, church. 
I'm glad never Jesus never chose to send me away hurting and hopeless in my very time of need. I'm glad Jesus made a way in my life when there seemed to be absolutely no way. He brought me out of darkness and put me into His glorious light when I was lost. Now I'm found, I was blind, but now I see. And when I needed Him the most, Jesus said, draw near. He didn't say go to a nearby village. He didn't say go see someone else. He said, come unto me, all who are weary, and I will give you what you need. I want you to know this morning, Jesus wants to give you what you need. I don't care if it's a physical touch. I don't care if it's a mental touch. I don't care if it's a financial touch. Jesus is here to give you what you need this morning. Remember, Paul and Silas cried out at midnight from the middle of a deep, dark dungeon cell. And God heard their cries and heard their prayers. And at an hour when no one else was listening. And in an hour when everyone else was sleeping and slumbering, even the guard. And the place began to shake and the, the, the prison bars were open and, and Paul and Silas were set free. Why? Because Jesus never slumbers and Jesus never sleeps and it's never too late for God. You might be trusting Jesus for a week. You might have been trusting Jesus for a miracle for a month. You might have been trusting and still trusting Jesus for a miracle for a year. You might think time is running out. But I want you to understand this morning that with Jesus Christ, it's never too late. Jesus is always on time. I'm grateful, church, that I have a God that doesn't clock in and out on my time of need. I'm glad I serve a God who's an ever-present help in my very time of trouble. I'm glad I don't have to look at my watch and wonder if it's a good time for God. I'm thankful that I don't have to ask God to take out His calendar and take out His daytimer. I'm thankful that I don't have to make an appointment with God. I'm thankful that whenever I have a need, church, all i got to do is call out. All I've got to do is cry out. All I gotta do is bend a knee. All I've gotta do, church, is look up. All I've gotta do according to the Word of God is draw near. When I find myself in a time of need, all I've got to do is seek. All I've got to do is knock. All I've got to do is ask. And, and the Bible says that He will give me what I need. When I find myself in the middle of an impossible situation, church, all I've got to do like David is lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. Because my help comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from the next door neighbor. It doesn't come from a neighboring village. It doesn't come from the hands of man. It doesn't come from a bottle. It doesn't come from the material things of this world. My help cometh from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. Amen. If you need help today, there's one place you need to look. And it's looking up into the hills. There's only one place you need to direct your eyes, and it's to the author and the finisher of your faith, church. Our help comes from the Lord, even on a hillside in the middle of nowhere. Jesus was ready to do a miracle, church. Listen, Jesus didn't send these people home. Because he had compassion on them, the Bible says. He didn't send them home because he cared about them, church. Listen, I don't know about you, but again, I'm glad I serve a God that cares about me, church. 
cares about my situation, cares about my hurt, cares about my family, cares about my marriage, cares about my finances. He cares about my impossible situation, and it's exactly why he tells me to draw near. Jesus didn't send the people home because his well never runs dry, because his resources never fail, because he is able to meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And in this case, he was about to meet over one or 5,000 individual needs. When you do the math, it was closer to 10,000 needs. 10,000 hungry souls. They were being fed the bread of life, church, but their stomach got hungry too. I want you to know God's able to meet every spiritual need you have, and he's able to meet every physical need you have as well. Amen? So whatever situation you're faced, trust in God this morning. In Matthew chapter 14, the disciples said, send them home. Send them to someone else. Have them have their need met somewhere else. But what does Jesus do instead? If you read the two, the two chapters, Matthew 14 and John chapter 6, you'll find out that Jesus said, no, I'm not going to send them anywhere. You go feed them. You go feed them. He put the burden on their shoulders, church. Remember, Jesus said, bear one another's burdens, and in doing so, you have fulfilled the law of Christ. He wanted them to learn to bear one another's burdens. He wanted them to be a part of a miracle. He didn't want them to just sit back and watch God do everything. He wants to teach you, church, how to be part of a miracle this morning. He wants you to be part of the plan that he has. I know the plan I have for you, and he wants you to be part of that plan. The sad reality is most of us sit back in life and we sit back and wait on God to do everything. Okay, God, when are you going to act? When are you going to move? When are you going to do something? And God said, well, look, if you would just get up and trust me, if you would just step out in faith and rely on me, if you would just do what I've asked you to do, miracles might be loosed in your life. We'd rather come into the house of God and complain that God's not moving. Rather come into the house of God and grumble that God isn't doing what we've asked Him to do. When He's saying, no, you go feed them. Be a part of the miracle that I have in store for you. According to John chapter 6, He either pulls Philip personally aside. Read it. In John chapter 6, verse 5, he pulls Philip aside or he looks at him directly in front of all of the other disciples and he mentions him by name, Philip, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? Philip sees this massive crowd rushing toward the hillside and Jesus looks at him personally and says, Philip, how are we going to feed all of these people? Philip, how shall we meet this monstrous need that has presented itself? Philip, to whom shall we turn for food? Philip, to whom shall we look for, for this miracle? And Jesus is asking the same exact question this morning. Who are you going to look to in your time of need? Who are you going to trust in, in your time of need? Who are you going to count on? this morning to meet the need and see you through. Please notice that Jesus included all of the disciples in this equation. Philip, how shall we meet this need? 
He included every single one of the disciples in this equation because like I said, he wanted them to be part of the solution. He wanted them to be part of the miracle that was about to take place on a desolate hillside. And he wants you to be part of that miracle as well. How shall we? Please understand, God will never ask you to do something that he's not willing to do with you. Jesus included himself. Jesus put himself right in the center of the plan, church. How shall we, how shall you and I meet this need that is coming? Listen, this is the way our God works. He wants us to be part of everything he does in our life. He wants us to be part of the purpose and part of the plan, like I said. And so often we let God do all the work and we miss out on the miracles in our life, church. He wanted them all to be the part of the miracle. The reality is he wants every single one of us. He wants all of us to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. He wants each and every one of us, all of us, to bear one another's burdens, church. He wants all of us to pray without ceasing. He wants all of us to pray with hearts believing, church. He wants all of us to be a part of that miracle that is waiting to happen, church. All of us. I want you to understand this morning that every time we gather into the presence of God, there is a miracle that's waiting to happen. There's a miracle that's waiting to happen. And Jesus is asking, do you want to be part of that miracle this morning? Or do you want them to just take place around you? Jesus said, when you walk through the waters, I will be there and through the flame. You'll not be drowned. You'll not be burned because I will be with you, church. Even though Jesus puts himself in the middle of this equation, I can still imagine poor little Philip when asked, where will we buy this bread? The answer to this humongous question, the the answer to this need that has made its way to the hillside, Jesus plops on the shoulders of one of his disciples and says, Philip, how shall we meet this need? Philip's blood pressure probably shot sky high. A lump probably swelled up in his throat. His lips probably began to stammer, uh, 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 not knowing what to say. I'm sure he thought to himself, why are you asking me, Jesus? Why don't you ask Peter? He's a loud mouth. He's the one that thinks he knows it all. He's got the answer. Why are you asking me? Why don't we ask the pastor? Why don't you ask the priest? Why don't you ask the staff? Why don't you ask the elders? Why don't you ask the spiritual leaders? Why are you asking me? This simple little disciple. Why are you asking me? Because he wanted Philip to learn how to be a part of a miracle. He wanted Philip to learn how to walk by faith and not by sight. He wanted Philip to be a part of this amazing thing that was going to happen on a desolate hillside. And he wants the same exact thing for you this morning. He doesn't want you to be an onlooker. He wants you to be in the middle of the miracle that's about to take place in your life. I'm not sure, church, why Jesus asked Philip. Maybe because Philip was the first one that said, send them home. Maybe Philip had a faith problem. Maybe he was the events coordinator of the crowd. Maybe he was slacking off in his spiritual duties and Jesus knew it. 
Maybe he had a poor attitude and woke up on the wrong side of the bed that morning. I don't know. I wasn't there. And neither were you, church. I don't know what was going on in Philip's heart. I don't know what was going on in Philip's head. I don't know what was going on in Philip's mind. But the Bible tells me Jesus did. Jesus knew exactly what he was about to do. And Jesus said what he said in order to test Philip. He knew what was going on in Philip's mind. And he knows what's going on in your life right now. Listen, you might not have a clue where the answer is. You might not have a clue how it's going to happen in your life. You might not have a clue how that need is going to be met in your life. But Jesus has already got it all figured out. And all he's asking you to do is by faith be a part of that miracle that he has this morning. By faith, trust in him this morning. And you watch the miraculous happen in your life. Listen, every day God wants to elevate our faith. And he will take us into a trial to make that happen. Every day he wants to move us forward in faith, church. The truth is, every day God wants to take us out of our comfort zone because miracles rarely happen in a comfort zone, church. If you live your entire Christian life in a comfort zone, you will never see the power of God as its fullness in your life, church. You have to be willing to step out of the comfort zone to to enable the the power of God to move through you. Because in your comfort zone, you can do it all by yourself. You can figure it out all by yourself. You can plan it out all by yourself. You can do it all by yourself. But outside of that comfort zone, you find yourself knocking You find yourself seeking. You find yourself asking. You find yourself turning your eyes a a little bit higher so that you can find your help, church, in your time of need. I want you to understand the truth is that God will take you into a storm so that you can learn to say, peace, be still. God will take you to a mountain so you can learn how to either climb it or move it out of your way. He'll take you into a valley, church, and cause you to face the face of Goliath so you can learn to slay it, so that you can learn to destroy it, so you can learn to overcome it, church. He takes you to a dry and desolate place so that you will learn that he is the, the living water and that his well never runs dry. Do you understand what I'm saying? He will take us into a wilderness to prepare us for the supernatural move of God. He did it with Moses. Took him into the wilderness for 40 years so he could learn to be part of a miraculous move of God. He did it with Jesus before he started his earthly ministry. Before he performed a single miracle, Jesus took him into the wilderness. And if he did it for Moses and did it for Jesus, don't tell me he won't do it with us. He wants you to be a part of a miracle church. And here's what you need to understand is that when that test comes, read it. He he said this in order to test Philip. And here's what you need to realize is that when the test comes, when the mountain comes, when the trial comes, when the giant comes, when the storm comes, when the wind comes, when the wave comes, church, when the the need comes, when the wilderness comes, when the valley comes, when the dry place comes into our life, the last thing we can afford to do is say, Jesus, send it away. Send it away like the disciples did. Because the reality is, if Jesus were to have sent it away, the disciples would have learned nothing. 
the people would have gone home hungry. The people would have gone home lacking, and that's not the God I serve, and it's not the God you serve. He's not going to send you home hungry, and he's not going to send you home lacking. The reason we've got to rise up in faith, church, and face the test, and face the trial, and face the giant, and face the dry place, and face the valley, is because if we don't, we will never learn how to slay it. We will never learn how to overcome it. We will never learn how to climb it. We will never learn how to endure it. We will never learn how to move it. Do you understand what I'm saying, church? We will never learn how to defeat it in our lives. So when your trial comes and the impossible situation comes, you need to rise up in faith and not say, Jesus, send it away. Jesus is looking for individuals this morning that are willing to rise up in faith and face whatever trial or test he has coming their way. When the crowd comes our way or when the test comes our way, like it did on this hillside church, we cannot afford to miss out on the miracle that God has in store for us. We've got to turn our eyes toward Jesus who knows exactly what to do. Again, you might not know what to do this morning, but if you put your trust in God and put your faith in God, You're allowing a miracle to take place. Listen, once again, as I read John chapter 6, or as I read it a couple times, I pictured Philip looking intently over the crowd, a crowd filled with chaos, people swarming in from every direction. And Jesus says to him, Philip, these thousands of people are hungry. They've been with me for three days now, and they've had nothing to eat unless they've had a little nibble that they've brought along with them. So where are we going to get enough food to feed them? How will we meet this need? Where will we buy bread, church? And what you need to understand is that in this setting, Jesus was trying to focus Philip, who was trying to turn his eyes and his heart in the right direction. You see, the last thing you can afford to do when you're in an impossible situation is put your eyes on that situation. The last thing Philip needed to do was put his eyes on the crowd. He needed to put his eyes on Christ. The the last thing he needed to do was put his eyes on the lack of bread. He needed to put his eyes on the bread of life, church. He's able to meet every need we have according to our his riches and glory. He was trying to focus Philip, church. But here's what happened in that flashing moment of despair. When he was faced with this dinner impossible, Philip saw the situation through the eyes of flesh and fear instead of through the eyes of faith. And he said this in John 6, verse 7. 200 denarii or eight months wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have just a little bite. He said to Jesus, I could work all year long, Jesus, and still not have enough resources to feed these people. So send them home. What you need to understand is that Philip tried to fill a natural, find a natural solution to a supernatural need. He tried to find a natural solution to a supernatural problem. And so often we do the same exact thing, church. We have a supernatural need. We need a supernatural touch. 
We need a supernatural miracle to take place in our life. And the first thing we start doing is running from pillar to post, from person to person, from man to man, from material to material, trying to find what we need. We manipulate and we maneuver uh, amongst the people around us. We make calls and we count our pennies and we do all of these other things, church. We trust in man. We trust in flesh. Instead of trusting in Jehovah Jireh, our provider, whose grace is sufficient for us, church. Philip actually tried to justify his lack of faith with earthly excuses. It's what we do. We look at all of the natural resources and say, God, I can't do it. We look at all the things that are available to our touch or look at our pocket, look at our bank account. We look at all of these things and say, oh, God, I could work all year long. I still wouldn't have enough to pay that bill. Still wouldn't have enough to pay the rent. Still wouldn't have enough to see me through. He was looking in the wrong direction, church. And this is what Jesus was trying to do. He was trying to focus Philip. And he wants to focus you this morning as well. He wants your eyes to be fixed on him, the author and the finisher of his faith. Listen, Philip could have said, you're Jesus. He could have said what Peter said. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. You've changed water into wine. You've healed the sick. You gave sight to the blind. You even raised the dead, Jesus. Surely you can feed these people. But he didn't. Why? Because like I said, in that moment of despair, he was focused on the flesh. He was focused on their earthly abilities. He was looking at the natural resources instead of the supernatural church. His words lack faith because he was focused on the crowd instead of on Christ. He was focused on the lack of provision instead of on the provider of our provisions. Amen? His eyes were fixed on the chaos and the crowd fixed on the overwhelming odds, fixed on the the late hour, and it's why he said send them home. Because in the natural, they didn't have enough to satisfy. In the natural, they didn't have enough to meet the need. In the natural, they didn't have enough to send the people home fulfilled. But how many of you know we serve a God that's able to satisfy the thirsty and fill the hungry with all good things, amen? How many of you know we serve a God that's not here to send us home hungry? He's not here to send us home lacking. He's not here to send us home dissatisfied. He wants you to go home this morning saying, Whoa, it was good to be in the house of the Lord. wants you to go home. With this blessing pressed down, shaken together and overflowing in your life. Understand, when Jesus asked this question to Philip, the disciples had far more than a bread problem. Had more than an ingredients problem. Had more than a bakery problem. They had a money problem. They had a distribution problem. They had a transportation problem. They had a try a time problem. And when you add it all up, it's how I came to this title. They were faced with dinner impossible. They had an impossible situation set in front of them, church. But what we have to realize is that's exactly when Jesus asks us the same exact question. It's in the impossible situation. That God asks us the impossible question. 
How are you going to feed all these people? When the waters are raging, Jesus asks, what are you going to do? When the doctor gives us a bad report, when the wife leaves, when the mortgage is due, when the daughter gets pregnant, when the son's in jail, when the business is slow, when you lose the job, when the odds are against us, when the furnace is turned up, when the waters are raging, church, Jesus asks us all, how will you handle this situation? How will you feed them? Where will you find what you need? In whom will you trust? To whom will you turn? These are the questions Jesus and the Holy Spirit asks us when we are faced with these impossible situations because He's trying to focus us like He was trying to focus Philip Church. And unless your eyes are fixed and focused on the author and the finisher of your faith, you won't have the right answer like Philip didn't have the right answer. Unless your eyes are fixed on the Savior, you won't find the solution, church. Unless your eyes are fixed on Jehovah Jireh, you will not find the provisions available in your life. You will always go away lacking. You will always walk away hungry. You will always walk away unsatisfied because there is only one individual that can satisfy the thirsty and fill the hungry with all good things. If you're thirsty this morning, maybe you've been looking in all the wrong places. If you're hungry this morning, maybe you haven't turned your eyes to Jesus Christ, who is the provider, the nourisher, the bread of life, the one who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond what you can think or even ask of Him, according to the power that works within us. You see, that's exactly what Jesus was trying to do inside of Philip. He was trying to stir that power and that faith that was within him. According, he is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond what you can think or imagine according to the power that works within you. Please understand me this morning. Jesus is trying to stir and stoke and ignite the power that's within each and every one of us. The power that is able to walk by faith and watch miracles happen in our life. It's what he was doing with Philip and what he wants to do with us as well, church. Running out of time and need to start winding this thing down. What we have to realize, church, is in John chapter 6, verse 6, Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. Because God's not confused about his plan. Like I said, he doesn't sit around scratching his head trying to figure it all out. Another, nothing ever catches God off guard. Nothing ever catches God by surprise. Amen. He knew exactly what he was intending to do. He just wanted Philip to decide what he was going to do. He wanted Philip to decide who he was going to turn to, who he was going to trust in, who he was going to put his hope in. That's all he was waiting for, church. Then this morning, he's waiting for us to decide the same thing. Are you going to go home hungry? Are you going to go home empty? Are you going to go home unsatisfied and unfulfilled? Or are you going to take this moment to step out in faith and be a part of the miracle that God has in store for you? You see, the reality is there are some of us here this morning that are facing a seemingly impossible situation. The odds are stacked against you. The math doesn't just seem to work out right. 
time seems to be running out and yet the Lord is asking, what are you going to do? Where are you going to find what you need? Whom are you going to turn to this morning? Who are you going to trust in this morning? You see, in verse chapter 7 of John chapter 6, Philip said, we don't have enough money. In verse 9, Andrew said, we don't have enough food. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go among so many? We don't have enough food. We don't have enough money. And in Matthew chapter 14, the rest of the disciples chimed in and said, we don't have enough time. The hour's late. Seems to be impossible. But the reality is, the only thing they didn't have was faith. The only thing that all of these disciples were lacking on that hillside was faith. Because the reality is, no matter how little bit you have, when you put it in the hands of God, it becomes much. Amen? Amen. The Bible says that Jesus took these five small loaves, took these two small fish. He gave thanks. He prayed over them. And miraculously, they were multiplied. You see, in verse 11, Jesus took the loaves, and catch this as I close. Jesus took the loaves, which doubt said wasn't enough, which doubt said would not satisfy, which doubt said would not feed them to the full. Jesus took the loaves, which doubt said isn't enough to go around. Jesus took the loaves, which doubt said can't pay all the bills, can't keep on the lights, isn't enough to make you well. Jesus took what doubt said can't get the job done, can't heal your household, can't restore your marriage. Jesus took what, what, what doubt said will not work, mixed it with thanksgiving, mixed it with a little bit of faith, and a miracle took place on a hillside, church. Amen. You see, I don't, I'm not here to just try to get you all riled up. But I want you to understand that doubt says it's not enough to meet the need. Faith says it's more than enough to meet the need. The little bit of barley, the little bit of fish, the little bit of money, the little bit of joy that I have, the little bit of hope that I have, the little bit of marriage that, that seems to be left. The, the little bit of family that I have. The, the little bit of business that I have. The, the little bit that I have. God, I'm going to give you thanks for it. I'm going to give you praise for it. I'm going to stand up and worship you for it, church. You see, the biggest obstacle to our miracle... Is that we're not willing to give thanks for the little bit that we have. <sighs> we whine. We complain. We grumble. God, how come they got it and I don't? How come you did it for them and all I got is this? When we should be saying, God, 
this little bit that I have this morning. I'm going to thank you for it, Jesus. I'm going to praise you for it, Jesus. And I'm going to mix in a little bit of faith. Because I know you know exactly what you're going to do this morning. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward in the last few minutes that I have. Because Jesus is asking you, if you have a need, if you have an impossible situation, if it seems like time is running out, if it doesn't seem like you've got enough, I want you to bring that little bit that you have this morning to the altar as a demonstration of your faith. God, man says, it can't be done. Doctor said, there's no hope. My spouse said, forget it. Police said this. Neighbor said that. Someone else said this. But Jesus, you said that with you all things are possible. Amen. So if you have that need, not going to hype it up. God's here to do a miracle in your life this morning. And if you're trusting him this morning to turn your situation around, to meet your need on your desolate hillside, I just want you to make your way. We're going to agree and pray with you so God can release a miracle. As Pastor Chad sings, you make your way. And we're going to agree with you for God to loose a miracle in your life. Come now. Don't go home hungry. Don't go home lacking. Don't go home unsatisfied. He's here to meet every need you have according to his riches and glory. Sing. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on and join with us in prayer. Don't be a spectator. Be a part of the miracle this morning, church. Lift up a hand. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your voice. Lift up some praise. Let's worship him. Turn into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no no one like him this morning, church. None like you. No one can do you like Jesus can. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome in power. Our God. Our God. church 
situation that these people were faced with in the middle of this dinner impossible in verse 10 John chapter 6 Jesus said have the people sit down there was plenty of grass in that place and the men sat down about 5,000 of them with their families and what I want you to know this morning and get from that passage of scripture that here on a desolate hillside in the middle of nowhere in the middle of an impossible situation, Jesus revealed himself as the good shepherd. He caused them to lie down in green pastures and he caused their cup to overflow. Amen. I want you to know this morning that Jesus wants to do the same thing with you. He wants you to lie down in green pastures and he wants your cup to overflow. He doesn't want you going home troubled. He doesn't want you going home discouraged. He doesn't want you going home dismayed. He wants you going home satisfied with a basket that's pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing in your life. And he wants you to find rest as he leads you this day. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning that you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider, that nothing is too difficult for you. I thank you, Father God, that it's never too late for you. I thank you, God, that there are times that you take us into trials. Times you lead us, Father God, into dry places so that we might learn that you are the living water. That we might learn that your wells never run dry. That you are more than able to meet every need we have according to your riches and glory. So God, this morning as your people go, let them know that you are their good shepherd. Let them find rest for their soul and may their cup overflow this morning. We give you the praise, we give you the glory, and we give you all of the thanks. In Jesus' precious and mighty name we pray. All of God's people said, amen. Can we bless the Lord? 